talking about honor tonight. We're talking about honoring God tonight. We're talking about honoring God and honoring his people, honoring God and honoring his people. Many of us hear that word and we're not real sure what that even looks like. And so tonight we want to give a very practical word about honor. We want to give uh, a word of instruction, a word of encouragement. If you are honoring people to continue, if you are dishonoring people, go ahead and repent. We're going to get into this word tonight because I believe it will bless you tonight. Amen. So again, we're going to pray before we get started and jump right in. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for uh, being our faithful father. Father, we pray, God, that you would open our hearts, God, to receive this word tonight. We pray, Father God, that you would just give us insight and wisdom, Father God, and we pray, God, that you would speak, even as I am teaching, God, we pray that you would open up the hearts of the people to speak specifically to their situation, God, and, and minister to them. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let go ahead. Let's get on to it. Um, what is honor? Honor is all about demonstrating um high respect or great esteem for something or someone else. So honor is demonstrating high respect or high regard. Now, many of us, when we think about honor, we think that the queen of England just passed away and we saw a lot of people, um, well, we saw well, we saw a lot of people dishonoring, but we also saw a lot of people honoring her and they stood literally for hours. I saw um, one of the great um, soccer players David Beckham, they said he stood in in line for hours and hours with everybody else, even though he was, uh, you know, super rich. He stood in line with everybody else to pay his respect and honor to uh, Queen Elizabeth. Now, what does that mean? He he was able to say, hey, this is someone that I consider important. I hold them in high esteem. And so I'm going to, quote unquote, humble myself and go stand in line and wait like everybody else is doing. That is an example of honor. OK, so we're going to talk about honor from a biblical perspective. We're going to get into it because I think it is, is deeply important to God. But it's also something that many of us have overlooked. And I think the result of us overlooking or disregarding honor may be the reason that we are seeing some of the things that we are seeing in our life. So again, when we are honoring God, what is, honoring God is really us living a life that is submitted to God. I know that's an overly simplified example or a, a definition, but it is the honest truth. Honoring God is really living a life that is totally submitted to his will and his purpose. When we live a submitted life, uh, it will be in direct opposition to your flesh. A submitted life to God will be in direct opposition to your flesh. Your fleshly desires will want to say certain things, but honor, honoring God and living a submitted life to God will tell you, no, don't say that. When you are living a submitted life, your flesh will not like you living a submitted life. That's why you have to crucify your flesh every single day. Every single day you have to crucify by your flesh. Why? Because it does not want to honor God. It does not want to submit. The flesh wants to lead. The flesh wants to be in charge. The flesh is uh, that sinful nature. It, it comes from the, the Satan side of things, right? The flesh is that part of you that says, I want to be in control. I want to sit on the throne of my life. But when we honor God, we take ourselves and we bow it at the throne of God. We bow ourselves at his feet and God sits on the throne of our life. So when we honor God, but we refuse to honor people, we are actually dishonoring God. You cannot be cool with me if you are not cool with my child. If you hate my daughter, you can't say, hey, I want to kick it with you, but I hate Brie. 
that's not the way this works. That's not the way any of this works, right? So you can't think that you can honor a person and then dishonor their children. So God says, hey, I want you to honor me, but I also need you to recognize that I love people. And so I want you to honor other people as well. So one of the first keys tonight we're going to talk about is that honor is a big deal to God. Go ahead and put that in the comment section. Honor is a big deal to God. I want you to get that in your heart and in your spirit tonight. Honor is a big deal to God. It is not something. And now in America, we tend to think that what we want to do is uh, is more important than other things. But honor is a big deal to God. And it's not just a democracy. It's not what you, everybody what makes everybody else happy. God has a specific way of doing things. And as kingdom citizens, we have to align ourselves with his way of doing things. Uh, sometimes the scripture uses direct the direct word of honor, and in other times the scripture shows us what honor looks like. But the concept of honor is found throughout the entire Bible. The concept of honor is not just limited to a few scriptures. It, you will find honor literally throughout the whole Bible. Uh, let's look at, and I, we're not going to even have to turn there. I'm just going to share a few scriptures that directly talk about honoring. Uh, Exodus 20 and 12, it tells us to honor our parents. Most of us, when we even think about honoring, what, what happens? We think about the Bible says to honor your, your parents, honor your mother and your father, uh, you know, obey and honor your parents. That is really uh, key. And we tell our kids that all the time when they're younger, we teach that scripture. We drill that into their heads. Why? Because we understand the importance of honor. And it's it's the first commandment that has a promise with it. It talks about having a long, healthy life when you honor your parents, right? Uh, Ephesians 6 and 2 comes back and reminds us of that. It says to honor our parents. It reminds us that it's important for us to honor our parents. First Timothy 5 and 7 tells us, it says, let the elders who rule uh, well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So again, it's saying we need you to honor your parents. We need you to honor uh, those who teach and preach to you. We need you to honor. It says those who are worthy of double honor are the ones who do who do well, our elders who teach us well. First uh, Peter 3 and 7 tells husbands to honor their wives. So again, we see honor your parents, honor your spouse, honor your teachers and your preachers. But then first Peter two and 17 says, just in case we miss somebody. And there are tons of other scriptures in there. But first Peter two and 17 says, in case we miss somebody, I need you to honor everybody. OK, it's real simple. First Peter two and 17 says, honor everybody. Now, think about this. Jesus died for all men. All men. God loves people. Go ahead and put that in the comment section. God loves people. God values people. People matter to God. That is important. So many times it's become almost cliche people. I hate people. I don't like people. People get on my nerves. I can't stand people. People are stupid. When we say all of those things, we are literally going against what God thinks about people. God says people are a part of his heart. He has a heart for people. He loves people. He created us, right? So of course he loves us. And so if we're going to have the heart of God, we have to have, have a heart for people. If you're one of those people that say, I hate people, go ahead and repent and say, God, give me your heart for people. Um, now, we understand that people uh, make mistakes. And so sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to understand why people do what they do. But that doesn't mean we're not supposed to love them and honor them. Um, I often hear people saying those types of things. But we have to, again, remember that God loves people. 
Uh, these are just a few scriptures. I literally just went over two or three scriptures that showed us that God is continually talks about us honoring people, right? Uh, so honor is a big deal to God. And again, these are just a few, few scriptures, but the concept of honor, and as we get into this lesson tonight, you're going to really begin to see that God values people. Uh, let's talk about some truths with, with uh, honor. Honor is more than compliance. Okay. In this ministry, we talk a lot about obedience. We talk about, hey, you need to be obedient. You need to obey God, obey God. We do need to obey God. Honor says, I want you to take it a step further. Obe honor is more than just obedience or just compliance, right? Honor is more than just complying with what God said, but honor says, I am going to do it with the right heart. First, uh, Isaiah 1 and 19, a very familiar scripture. If you've been with Fellowship of Champions any amount of time, you've heard this scripture multiple times. It says, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Many of us are one of the others. We are either willing and disobedient, or we are obedient, but unwilling. And so we're going to talk about what those things look like and how we can, can change the flow of our lives when we stop being uh, one of those two, falling into one of those categories. Willing and not obedient. What does that even look like? Most of us don't even think about that. You say, how can you be willing, but then you're still being disobedient? Well, it looks something like when God says something to you, you say, yes, you say, yes, Lord, I will do it. I will, uh, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Our hands are lifted. We are in full surrendering mode. We are on our knees. We're saying, God, I'll go to the edge. Take me deeper. Take me above uh, knee deep. Take me to waist deep. Take, you know, we're doing all of these songs. Leave me where my, my faith is without borders. We're saying all of those things and we feel like we are submitted to God. We have a willing heart at that moment. However, we allow the cares and the distractions of the world to cause us to get distracted and forget, um, thus causing us to be disobedient. So, so we'll say, yes, God, you, God tells you to do something. We say, yes, God, but then we just kind of keep going on with life and we tend to forget things. And then we end up looking around and realizing that we have disobeyed, um, uh, we say yes, but we don't prioritize the instruction of God enough. And so the, the cares of the world, the distractions of the world come and choke out our obedience. OK, so if God tells you, here's just an example. If God tells you to cash out someone, you when you wake up in the morning, God says, I need you to cash out uh, Miss So-and-so $200. OK, so that's Monday morning. Right. You wake up and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that after I eat breakfast and, and, and I'm going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to do all of these things. And you get up, you go to work, you come out for lunch and you, you realize, man, I was just about to go get me some Chick-fil-A. And now I have a flat tire. So now I have to spend my lunch break getting a new tire. So I spend money on getting a new tire. I make it home. And, and God prompts me again, hey, I need you to cash out sister so-and-so and go, oh yeah, I got to do that. And then you talk, start talking to your mom on the phone and you start talking and mom gives you a really sad story about, uh, you know, some cousin who needs some money. And so you say, oh, I better, I better go ahead and send them some money. So I don't have to hear about that. You're going through all of those things and you realize that your child comes in and they say they're, they're camp dues or cheerleading or whatever they're involved in the, hey, we need money for that. And you say, oh yeah, let me go ahead and give that money for them. And something else happens and you realize that you've got to get a new outfit for this event that's happening at work tomorrow. So you go out and you spend some more money. And pretty soon you look at your account and you say, I've spent the money that, that God told me 
to give. You had a willing heart. You said, yes, Lord, this morning in the bed when God said, told you to cash up sister so-and-so, but because you did not prioritize that instruction and, and obey quickly, now you look at your account, you don't have the money to cash out her, then you're disobedient. And so you say, you know what, the next time I get paid, I'm going to make sure I cash out her. That may be in a week, it may be two weeks, it may be the next day. You, you Things start to keep happening. Pretty soon you look up and it's been three weeks since God gave you that instruction to cash out that woman $200 and you still haven't done it. So that's what that looks like when, when you say, I have a willing heart, but your willing heart has not developed enough to prioritize things, to make them a priority to do it right away. Because He God understands if you go ahead and obey him quickly, it is, it is a hedge of protection. The enemy wants to distract us. And this was this was probably my biggest thing right here. I would say, yes, God, and I would have every intention of obeying, but then I would allow the cares of the world or the distractions of the world. And then I would forget what God told me. Just because I forgot, it doesn't mean I wasn't being dis dishonorable and I was not being disobedient. So God had to say, you have to make these things a priority in your life. Otherwise you will be being disobedient and not even recognizing it. Um, another example of of saying yes, but then allowing cares of the world to, to tear you down is God may tell you to go back to school, for example, and, and you say, God, I'm going to do that. And you start doing all those things. You start looking at different situations. You start looking at different schools and it's, you, you're having a hard time deciding on what you need to go back for. You're having a hard time deciding which school to go to. And so you just kind of get discouraged and you stop looking and you forget about it. Or, or you go back and you say, I'm going to do this. I call the office and guess what? You owe a balance at school or you owe a balance on your uh, last time you were in school. So you can't they can't release your transcript or whatever. And so what you do is you say, well, I I can't get my transcript. I can't go back to school. I guess this is just not the right time. But whenever when God is ready for me, I'll go back to school. When God gives me the time, God told you to go back. If God told you to go back, he already knew about the balance. That means he already has provision for the balance. He told you to go back. And most of the time when we hit a roadblock, even though we start off with a willing heart, when we hit a roadblock, we decide that it must not be the time for us to obey God. It is always time to obey God. It is always appropriate to obey God. Now, if God says, I need you to do this in three weeks, it, do it in three weeks. But God will give you instruction if it's not time. And you, that comes from a relationship with him as well. The more you spend time with God, the more you spend time um really processing and, and and spending time saying, God, you told me this. When should I do this? Where should I go? What should I do? You're developing that relationship. God will begin to give you specific instruction uh, to guide your life. So go ahead and put in the comment section. If you recognize that God has told you something, you said yes with a willing heart, but you allowed the cares of the world to, to distract you, to choke out that obedience. You are a person that has a willing heart, but a disobedient heart. And God says, you know what? Now is the time for us to repent and say, God, I, I was willing, but I was still disobedient. And so father, I repent for that. And now teach me and remind me of those things so that I can get those things right. Ask Holy Spirit to bring back to your remembrance the things that God has told you to do or not to do that you let slip because of the cares of this world. And God will begin to bring those things back to you. Because again, we're talking about honor. Honoring God takes place in uh, under the umbrella of obedience, right? So we must prioritize this. The other group from Isaiah 1 and 19 is the people who says, I do what God told me to do, but I only do it in deed and not in spirit. 
I only do it in deed and I don't do it in spirit. So this is the example. You see it all the time with teenagers. I need you to clean your room. They're, they may clean their room, but their heart is, is thinking, I can't wait till I get grown. I can't stand when mama tell me to do so-and-so. They're grumbling. They're complaining the whole time. That is the person who says, I'm going to do it, but I am not going to submit my heart to it. Many of us honor God, but our hearts are for, far from it. In fact, in Matthew 15 and 18, it says just that. Uh, he's, Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We see this a lot. We honor God with our lips. We raise our hand. We say, God, we thank you. God, we praise you. God, you are amazing. But guess what? When it's time to honor God with our heart and to really do what he's telling us to do, uh, we're not trying to hear any of that stuff. We're not trying to hear any of that stuff. We literally um, are just going through the motions. We have a form of godliness, but we are denying the power thereof. What does it look like if God tells you to give? Um, you give, but you have a bad attitude. You give, but you're constantly talking about uh, why you gave and you're constantly complaining about something. God tells you to fast and all day you're walking around like somebody, um, you know, just killed your cat. You're just walking around in a really sad, depressed looking state because God told you to do it. So you are doing it in, in, in the action, but your heart is not bowed. Your heart is not in submission to what you are doing. God says honor is when my heart and my actions align with what God told me to do. When my heart and my actions align with what God told us to do. We read the word of God because God tells us to, uh, you know, to study, to show ourselves approved. So we read the word of God, but we're doing it not because we love God and not because we want to spend time with him and commune with him. We're doing it because we can, so we can say, I check. I read my word daily because we, we made that commitment to read our words. So I read my word daily, but only because you're doing it out of, uh, out of habit as opposed to doing something from the heart. So again, if you want to eat the good of the land, your heart has to be what? Willing and obedient. Obedient and willing. That's very important. That is where we get alignment, which leads us to acceleration, right? And advancement. Uh, week number two, the second, so the first thing was that obedience, I mean, I'm sorry, honor is a big deal to God. Number two, we can disagree and still be honorable. The second truth is disagreement does not justify dishonor. Disagreement does not justify dishonor. Now, I want you to think about that for a while. So many times we think when we disagree with someone and you see it literally every day on social media, when we are cool with somebody until they disagree with us, when they disagree with us, uh, we think all all holes are gone and we can simply go in and, and tear them up. We can we can rip them up and talk about how ignorant they are. We can talk about anything we want to talk about because we have now dishonored them because we think that because we disagree, that opens the door for dishonor. It is not acceptable to just start dishonoring someone just because you disagree with them, even if they, uh, you know, have have different beliefs than you. You can still honor a person and still um still respect a person, honor a person and disagree with them. You do not have to be dishonorable to disagree. Come on, put that in the comment. I do not have to be dishonorable in order to disagree. And just because someone does something differently than you would do does not mean that they are wrong. We see, again, we see this a lot, especially with social media being so prevalent in our lives. We see a lot of preachers doing things in the world and, um, 
Some people will say, well, I don't know why he did that. I, I don't understand why. I think he was wrong for that. I think da 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 da, da. You know, they, everybody has their opinions, right? And then they begin to talk about the person. They begin to dishonor the person rather than saying, going back to God and say, God, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. But you tell me, um, am I wrong for the way I'm thinking? Uh, open my eyes to maybe a revelation. Give me insight. Give me wisdom. Because so many of us think just because we dis uh, just because we someone is doing something differently than us, that that allows us to be dishonorable. Again, it does not. The Internet makes us uh, stop seeing the humanity in people. Uh Let's see. The, one of the ways that the enemy will get people to treat others poorly is to have them to stop seeing their personhood, to stop seeing their humanity. Again, the Internet makes it really easy for us to see characters and not people. Many of us, when we when we see celebrities, when it's about uh, in the gossip blogs, we'd say, I see we just think of it, they're, they're just a character and we forget these are people with lives and these, these are people with children. and These are people period. They're people. And we forget about that because it's so easy to sit behind the keyboard and to say whatever comes to our minds, whatever comes to our hearts. And God is not pleased with us dishonoring people. When we start to uh, step away and stop seeing people's humanity, you are traveling a very dangerous slope. This is one of the ways that slavery was able to get so um, twisted in the Americans or in the Western hemisphere because they took away the humanity aspect of servanthood. It was it, in many parts when slavery was uh, happening, there was still they still saw humanity right? They still saw a level of humanity. Slaves may have been allowed to marry and to do different things. And there was a release and there was an expectation of freedom at some point. But when it came westernized, people stopped seeing the humanity. And that's a, that's a dangerous place when we stop seeing the humanity in, in our brothers and sisters. So the enemy will sow discord in the body so that we can stop learning from people who have our solution. Now think about that. If, if I can get you to start dishonoring someone who's teaching you about something that you dis and, and they say one thing or they do one thing that you you don't like, you can start to say, I don't that the joker don't know nothing he's talking about. And you start disregarding everything they've ever said. And God may say but they've got an answer for you. And if you think about it, even when the woman um, who, who came to Jesus and he said, you know, it's it's. Uh, this is this is not for you right now. I'm trying to remember that it was it wasn't the Seraphonician woman. I don't think it was the woman who said, you know, healing my daughter. And he she said, this is not for the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This woman said, this man just called me a dog, but he has something that I need. And so I'm still going to honor what what's in him so that I can receive what I need. I can get what I need because I'm still willing to stay in a position that says, but you have a solution and a word um, for my life. OK, so we have to remember that honor is super important. We have people that don't hear breakthrough word because it's coming from the mouth of a woman and they don't believe that God has called women. Although I can't believe we still have people that believe that in 2022, we do. And so it's important that we understand and recognize that what you do is you cut off some of the the very nurturing uh, nutrients that you need because you are dishonoring the vessel that God has called. Okay. It was the Seraphonician woman. Okay, great. Thank you in the studio. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, Ralph. <Rob. laughs>
Hold on. Ralph got excited. He wanted to jump in and, and preach too. Uh, so that was number two. You can disagree and still be honorable. Let's look at point number three. Okay. No, number three says honor is about um, honoring God's chosen vessel is important. Honoring God's chosen vessel is important. Okay. We're going to look at some scripture here and, and really dig into this. Honoring God's chosen vessel is important to him. So let's look at David and Saul's relationship to get a little more insight about honoring God's vessel, right? So David knew that God had picked Saul to be king, okay? David understood that. Keep that scripture up. We're going to go there. David understood that God had called Saul to be king. Um, David knew that when he dishonored someone that God had ordained, that he put himself in a bad position. So David had trusted God to handle Saul. For those of you that may not be familiar with, with what's going on here, we have David and Saul. Saul was anointed to be king of Israel. And then some things happened. Saul did not... Uh, stay in line with what God told him to do. Saul was disobedient. Saul began to do things opposite and said, I'm going to disobey God, but I'm going to make some sacrifices. And I think that'll make up for it. So Saul began to disobey God. And, and God said, Hey, I, I'm not, I can't have any parts of this. I, I regret that I made Saul the king. David was later anointed king. Um, David was later anointed king. And guess what happened? Uh, Saul didn't like that. Saul, Saul, Saul saw that people were, were, were loving David and all of these things. Now, David was not king. Keep this in mind. David was not king, but Saul began to um, go after David and, and to try to try to hurt him. And so let's see what happens. First Samuel, the 26th chapter, you really should go back and read the entire 26th chapter of first Samuel. You're going to get a lot of insight First Samuel. But we're going to start at verse seven. It says and this is out of the message translation. So David and Abishai, Abishai, David and Abishai entered the encampment by night and there he was. Saul stretched out asleep at the center of camp, his spear stuck in the ground near his head, and Abner and the troops sound asleep on all sides. Abishai said, this is the moment. God has put your enemy in your grasp. Let me nail his, him to the ground with his spear. One hit will do it. Believe me, I won't need a second. But David said to Abishai, don't you dare hurt him. Who could lay a hand on God's anointed even and even think of getting away with it? Verse 10 and 11 says he went on as God lives. Either God will strike him or his time will come and he will die in bed or he will fall in battle. But God forbid that I should lay a finger on God's anointing. Now grab the spear at his head and the water jug and let's get out of here. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Now you have the opportunity. Somebody's been trying to get you. Somebody's been coming after you and you have the opportunity to expose them. You have the opportunity to cut their head off, to silence everything that they've been saying. You have the opportunity to give it to them just the way you want to give it to them. You have the opportunity to say, yeah, you've been talking all that noise. Now what you got to say, this is that moment you have. And David said, well, what I'm going to do is honor this man. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor what God has done. God said that this man was the king or this, guess what? If God said he's the king, I'm backing up. 
I'm backing up and I'm going to trust God to handle Saul. Whatever Saul has done, he says he will either die in battle, he'll die in bed. Something will happen to him. Here's what David understood. It's not my job to figure out how God is going to deal with people who have wronged me. It's not my job to figure out what's going to happen to them. It's not my job to pray for their downfall. My job is to honor God. David had that revelation. How many of us, uh, when we have that moment to, to really destroy somebody that we consider an enemy, that we are ready to pounce on that opportunity? Or do we have humility and we say, God, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wish ill will on these people. I'm going to simply walk in what you call me to walk in. So oftentimes when men and women of God make mistakes, we are quick. We are quick to spread the word and, and talk about their downfall, especially I say in these so out in these social media streets. We are so quick to share. Oh, did you hear about this person? Did you hear about this person? What you think about this? What do you think about this? But one thing that Pastor Sean has taught us um, and all of her mentors, which she teaches it with Fellowship of Champions, she teaches it in the inner circle. She's constantly telling us um, that we are supposed to really be mindful of how we deal with those that God has called, even if we think they've fallen, even if we go, no, oh, they've been out of the loop for a long time. God, God said something or anointed them at one point. We're going to let God deal with them. If they messed up, we're letting God deal with that. Right. So one of the things Pastor Sean taught us uh, is to be mindful to stay within our pay grade. What does that mean? When men and women of God fall, we ask God, what is our opinion on the matter? God may tell you, you don't have an opinion on the matter. We ask God, what is our opinion on the matter? If he says you don't have an opinion on the matter, guess what you need to be doing? You need to be quiet. We, just because you your soul has an opinion doesn't mean your spirit has an opinion. And if your spirit doesn't have an opinion, your soul needs to be quiet. Okay, so uh, when a man or woman of God falls, we need to ask God, what's our opinion? Uh, we are not talking about intentionally trying to cover up a sin. We're talking about saying, God, what what's what do you want me to say or do about this matter? Because it may not be anything that I need to address. It may be something I need to address. And if it is, God, you show me what I need to say. You show me heaven's perspective on this before I speak on this matter. You give me heaven's words. So if a word of if I am a person of influence and I begin to speak, people are listening to that. God, you tell me what heaven is saying before I speak to other people about this matter. Before I try to correct somebody else, God, you give me the word because God, heaven's word is what's right. So we have to be willing to seek heaven. There are times when correction and rebuke and redirection are needed, but they must come forth in kingdom order, in kingdom order. Most of us are not aware of the ranks of the kingdom. In the military, privates do not correct generals. In the military, privates do not correct generals. Privates say, what, what is the command? We are staying in our rank. If something is going on, we can, we can go up to the chain and say, hey, what do I need to do? They will probably say, so-and-so is handling it. You, you will handle it from here. You stay down here and do what you're supposed to do. And so many of us think because we don't understand the kingdom has order. And so we think because it happens and we saw it or we're aware of it, that we can form an opinion. God says you need to stay in your lane. You need to stay there and honor um, your position, honor your role. And David understood that if he remained honorable, that God would have his back. Going back, 1 Samuel, um, the 26th chapter again, look at the 23rd and the 24th verse. And it says, David answered him 
And this is after David has gone in and had the opportunity to um, to he had the opportunity to kill Saul. He had the opportunity. But guess what? He says, um, see what I have here. So this is David talking to to Saul's men. He says, see what I have here, the king's spear. Let one of your servants come and get it. It's God's business to decide what to do with each of us in each of us in regard to what's right and who's loyal. God put your life in my hands today, but I wasn't willing to lift a finger against God's anointed. Just as I honored your life today, may God honor my life and rescue me from all trouble. David understood. I am trusting God to take care of me. But I do want you to know that that here was an opportunity and you need to check all the people around you that let me get that close because I never should have gotten that close. And here's the thing. David had more than just that one opportunity. We're not going to talk about it tonight for time's sake, but David had multiple opportunities to 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 hurt uh, Saul. David said, I am going to be honorable every single time. I hope this is blessing you guys. Uh, David understood that he was also anointed. This is important. David was also anointed. God had anointed David long before he actually became king. God had anointed David long before he actually became king. But a part of un, uh, honor is understanding God's timing and respecting God's time. Yes, many of us are anointed. And we think because we are also anointed that we don't have to be under someone else. God may have called you, but you need to be able to be honorable to other people. You need to have a covering in your life. Um, you need to have a leader who you can submit to and say, hey, yeah, they may even tell you now is not the time. But I'm anointed. Mm -hmm. But it's not the time. I'm anointed. I want to start my ministry. I'm going to do this. And they, be, and they may be telling you, you're not ready yet. It's not the time. That is honor for you to be able to say, my man or my woman of God is telling me. It's not time. Even though I feel like I've got a word in my belly, I feel like I got all of this stuff. I'm going to submit and I'm going to be honorable to God. So David understood I'm anointed, but I'm still going to operate in the timing that God tells me to operate in. Eventually, of course, Saul died and David was appointed king, the king of Judah for uh, for years, for many, many years. Uh, David operated. And now he is the person, when you think about the king of Israel, who do people talk about? David. David is the king. The star of David is on the flag. All of those, all of those things. Why? Because, because he honored Saul, because he honored God, really. Anytime we're honoring other people, we're really honoring God because he honored God. God said, I can trust this to last, uh, to last throughout the, the entire time. So when we honor God, uh, God will honor us. So when we honor God, go ahead. When I honor God, God will honor me. The next thing we have here is that there are consequences to dishonor. Ooh, people don't like to talk about this part. There are consequences to dishonor. Uh, what is the consequence when we dishonor God's people? Let's look at uh, Noah, the book, uh, or in the story, in the Bible, Noah was a godly man. We understand that it says God even called Noah to says he was blameless. He was upright. You know, he, he was he was faultless. This is coming from God. God found I mean, I'm sorry. Noah found favor with God and Noah worked. He got a word from God. People have become very wicked in the land. Most of us know this story. Right. People have become very wicked. I can't see any comments from the um, from from the comments. So if you guys are commenting, I'm sorry. I don't see any of those comments. So um 
but as as Noah was doing right and, and, and everybody else was seemingly doing wrong around him, God said, I need to I need to I need to start over. But Noah, this is what I need you to do. I need you to build me an ark. It's going to rain. Now, mind you, it had never rained before. So Noah's out there doing what God told him to do, telling people to repent because it's going to rain. So he's not only building an ark, he's also preaching. So Noah has two full time jobs, preaching the word of God and building an ark. That's a lot for a man, right? So Noah's out here. He's doing this. He finds favor. He's consistently teaching and preaching about repentance. He's consistently building that ark. And it's not just a, a little boat that takes three or four, four years. You know, this, think about a house. You can start the beginning of the year and, and have no house. And then in one year, less than a year, in a couple months, a whole house can be built. They can build houses very quickly now. This is something that took this man, oh gosh, over a hundred years to build, but he faithfully preached repentance for over a hundred years while nobody repented. Now think about that. You preaching and ain't nobody repenting. Nobody is repenting. Noah witnessed the devastation of this world. And we don't even understand what kind of traumatic impact that could have had on Noah to see literally the whole world be destroyed in, in front of you. You talk about some trauma. We think we have some trauma. That's traumatic. And most people don't think about that. That is that is a major psychological warfare going on. I'm sure he's questioning, did I did I preach good enough? Why why didn't anybody turn back? What what could I what could I have said? Could I have used a different example? Noah spent all of those years preparing people or trying to prepare people for what was coming, the destruction that was coming and nobody listened. Noah spent all this time building and nobody listened. But guess what? Noah said, I'm going to save my family. I'm going to save these animals. and I'm going to do what God called me to do. So um, Noah was probably somewhat feeling like a failure to some extent. And then also feeling grateful, had battling, you know, all of these different things, survivals, survivors, remorse and guilt and all of those things. He preached for over 100 years and nobody repented. But finally, the waters uh, go away. He start. It's time for him to start kind of re, replenishing the earth, right? It says he farmed and, and planted a vineyard, had some grapes, some fruit of the vine, and it, it became where the fruit was able to get juice that made wine. Noah drank it and got drunk. Now, we don't know if it was like the first time he had some of the wine because he didn't realize it was that strong that it happened or if he was used to kind of getting a little buzz. We have no idea. What we know is that at some point, Noah got so drunk that he was passed out and naked and his son, Ham, walked in on him. And when Ham saw it, Ham had the opportunity or had a decision to make. What am I going to do with this situation? So this is someone who has has given their life for God. Hear me. This is someone who has spent years, most of their adult life doing the will of God, trying to prepare people for, for salvation, trying to get people saved, trying to give the word of God, spent countless times making sacrifices away from his family because he's building an ark. He spent all this time doing these things and his son walks in and says, all of those sacrifices, mm, I guess he was just some fake prophet. Look at him over there laying out drunk. And so what does Ham do? He went and exposed him or he went and tried to expose him. And he told his other brothers, he said, you know what? Daddy out there drunk, laying out there looking like like some old wino just just didn't have any sense. He started to expose the weakness in that moment rather than covering his vulnerabilities. Now, let's pause for a minute. How many times has a preacher labored for you? 
and they have sacrificed going to a kid's game because they wanted to be there for your family. They were praying and fasting, giving up, celebrating different things with their own family. But the moment you thought you saw a little bit of of crack in their armor, you said, look at them. They just like everybody else. They're this, they're that. You're, you're on social media. You're in the in the salon. You're in the bar barbershop talking bad about them when they have literally given their lives for you. And we have the nerve to speak and try to expose somebody because we see uh, a little bit of their humanity showing. And so when you see their humanity showing and you try to expose more of it, what we see is your dishonor showing. What we see is your dishonor showing. When you try to expose, we see your dishonor showing. So, so this uh, was really important. So what he did was um, he went ahead and he went and got his, his brothers and he told them. What we would do in today's world is we would tag Larry Reed and try to expose somebody that way. You know what? I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with this pastor, but let's see what Larry Reed has to say so he can we can break it down and make it a bigger fiasco. Let's really talk about him. Let's really tear him down. That's what so many of us have gotten caught up in living a life that is not honorable. So um, but when he told his brothers, his brothers, uh, Shem and, and Jepheth took a covering and they walked backwards with the sheet on their shoulders and they covered their father with it. They said, we're not going to look at him in this state. We're going to um, cover him. We're going to cover it. And now for us, we would be covering him in prayer. We're going to um, make sure that this, we're not trying to expose him for his flaws because we understand that, that, that men of God go through a lot. And what we're going to do is we're going to be grateful for the sacrifices they're made. And we're going to, to pray and cover them in this time. Right. As a result though, Noah cursed Ham's son. As a result of Ham being dishonorable, there are what's this point? There are consequences to being dishonorable. Ham's lineage was cursed. And it says in the Bible, it says he cursed them and said that they would be servants to the servants. They would be the slave to the slaves. That's a that's that's bad right there. You're saying you you I'm putting you at the lowest lowest part of the lowest part. So dishonor is one of those ways that God takes honor very seriously, very seriously. Now, so it's important that we understand that God uses fallible human beings. This is not an excuse for leaders to be careless. In fact, God holds leaders to a very high standard. This We are not talking about leaders get to do whatever they want to do. And we should just go, yeah, let's cover it up. We're not talking about that. So I do, do not, I don't want you one, running around saying uh, leaders can just do whatever they want to do. And we're supposed to just, just get, nope, that's not what we're talking about. God holds leaders to a high standard. But when we mess up, or when they mess up, I'm sorry, it's not our job to try to, to expose it and to show and let everybody in the world know that we saw that mistake. God, We're supposed to seek God and say, God, how does honor look in this particular situation? How does honor look in this situation? When a leader falls, you realize um, how many people are suffering in a ministry. If you have a mega church and that pastor is exposed for something, that is thousands of sheep that may be confused. And so instead of trying to expose him, well, how about you start praying over those sheep that, that were under that leadership? How about if he's been mean 
uh, a poor leader to those people, you begin to pray that God sh uh, shows them and takes them to a good covering, a leader that will cover them with integrity. How about you say, God, show those sheep where to go. Give them comfort. Give them peace. Give them direction. So honor says, I'm still going to be honoring God, even though this pastor has messed up. We're not making excuses for poor behavior. What we're saying is God has a way to do things and we have to be willing to do things the way that God has called us to. We do not want to have and operate in the spirit of Ham because there are major consequences when you operate in the spirit of dishonor. Um, when you are always looking to expose somebody, you are operating in, in that dishonorable spirit. Now, again, we're not talking if somebody is in the church and they are touching kids or being inappropriate in some kind of way. Nope, nope, nope. We are not talking about cover that up. That is not at all what we're saying. We say go to the police, get that taken care of. We're not saying that. We're saying this this nitpicking, this um, somebody made a mistake. So I feel like I have a right to say how all church people uh, are this way. And I feel like I can just just talk bad about everyone. We do not cover any crimes. Hallelujah. Amen. We do not cover any crimes. We, we report those things because that is also honor. We are honoring God by protecting people. So we're not talking about people who are abusing the sheep. We're not talking about that. We're saying when we're talking about covering, we're talking covering in prayer. And we're talking about you can even you can even turn somebody in without saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to, to show everybody what happened. If, if you find out some something is going on, you say, God, God, show me. Okay, I'm, I'm turning this in. We're going to the law. We're going to do those things. But it is important that we recognize that um, God will show you because there is a time when there is a, appropriate for public rebuke. There is a time when it's appropriate for public correction. But ask God, is that your role? What's your role in all that? Because you may be stepping outside of what your role is in that time. There was recently a man of God who said some things that were controversial and several pastors came out and they, they corrected in a very honorable way. They did not say, um, you're stupid and you're, you're, they said, huh, this is what the scripture says. This is what God says about the matter. And I want to correct it because I want to be honorable to the sheep that I cover and to the sheep that maybe this person covered. It's important that we operate in integrity. Okay. So um, what does that look like? Matthew, the 18th chapter gives us very clear instruction. Matthew 18 tells us what happens um, when leaders cause the children to stumble. It says it's actually better for that man that a stone be around his neck and he's thrown into the sea than to cause the children to stumble. So we're, we're not, we're not over here saying that nothing should happen to, to leaders and that nothing will happen to leaders that scatter the sheep. Nope. But God will make sure that that is taken. God says you have to still remain honorable. Um, and then if there is something, someone who's causing those to stumble, you don't have to be submitted to that. God never called you to be submitted to a place that is not of integrity. Thank God we have pastors at Fellowship of Champions. We have pastors at this ministry that... Um, that, that walk in, in integrity, they walk in honor towards God and towards his people, right? But, but if in fact there was ever a problem, we say, God, show us what to do. And, and, and Matthew, the 18th chapter begins to tell you um, not only how God deals with people who scatter the sheep, but Matthew also tells you when you see a brother and sister, a brother or sister in sin, you go to them, you go to them and you begin to teach them. It says, um, you go to them and you say, hey, this is not right. You go, uh, 
you go to them and you correct that, right? You have to make sure that you are doing things in order. And then it says, if they don't receive you, take another sister or brother with them and you take it to them. Then you take them before the church. There is a whole order to the way that there is correction in the body of Christ. Okay. So the next thing that we talk about, uh, many of us are, are honoring leaders, but we have to also remember that God wants us to honor those people in our lives that we think don't deserve honor. Honor doesn't mean we lie and say they were great when they really were not great. We are not talking about lying because that's against God's honor, right? We're talking about saying, God, how would you have me to deal with this person? We're talking about um, the ex that you think they're not paying. They said this crazy. They did this and they did this. And every time you get an opportunity, you're ready to expose them. You're ready to blast them on social media. You're ready to do all those things. Your, your mom, your dad maybe wasn't there for you. And, and God says, um, I want you to honor them. It doesn't mean you have to lie and say to the best mom in the world on Mother's Day when your mom wasn't there. We're not talking about that. What we're saying is saying, God, I thank you that this person um, said yes to get me into the earth realm. And for that, I will say I appreciate them. That doesn't mean I have to stay connected to them. You know me. I'm always I'm, I'm going to tell you about boundaries. Honor doesn't mean you don't have boundaries in your life. Honor doesn't mean you don't have boundaries in your life, but honor says, God, teach me to see the person through a kingdom lens. Teach me to show me how to operate with this person. Believe me, everybody, every leader in this ministry has had someone to hurt us. And we have had the opportunity to expose them in a major way. And with God, how do I do this? Because when, when you honor God, when you honor his people, God will honor you. Um, that again, that doesn't mean that, that there are no boundaries. That doesn't mean that we just live any kind of way and, and don't, nobody corrects other people. That means we say, God, show me how you want me to handle this. And so I just felt like that was uh, really important for us to understand. God has so many good things, but he wants us to understand that we have to operate with honor. We have to operate in integrity. Again, I can't see anybody's comments, so I don't know what you all are saying. Um, so let me know, I guess, people in the studio, if there's a comment I need to address or anything. But I appreciate you guys. It has been um, it has been really, really an honor to share this word of God. God wants you to to honor him through our willingness and our obedience. God wants you to honor him through honoring other people, even those people that you say, I can't I, mm -mm, I'm not honoring my baby daddy because he ain't paid child support since this. Guess what? When you honor God. God will make sure you have everything you need financially. When you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. When you say, I can't honor my mom because she did this. When you say, God, I trust you to bring me uh, a mother figure in my life that will teach me all the things that I need uh, in my life. God will honor that commitment to honor him. And so I just want to encourage you guys. If you know that you have been dishonorable, to, to God or to other people, just go ahead and, and say, God, I repent for being dishonorable. I want to come in alignment with the kingdom. I want to come in alignment with your heart tonight, Father God. I want to live a life that is honorable and I want to be a vessel that you can use, God. We thank you, God, that you have given us this opportunity to repent. And we thank you, God, that moving forward, we have this opportunity to walk in honor to live according to the word that God uh, called us to live. We crucify our flesh and we thank you, God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. We're going to um, remember our announcements. Our announcements tonight, of course, is Bible study. We also um, at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on tonight, we had um, uh, Ignite which is our teen ministry. So Wednesday night is Ignite at 7 p.m. and Victory Zone is on demand. Go ahead and watch those videos. We're talking about numbers and um, God wants you to, to make sure that we're getting our kids involved in learning about the word of God. So get your kids plugged up. Of course, tonight, eight o'clock, we have refreshed Bible study every Wednesday night. Typically, Pastor Ralph would be here. Um, so glad to be able to give him a break tonight. So uh, then on, on Friday morning, we have our champion circle. Champion circle is where all, we come and we pray at 6.30 a.m. All times are Central Standard Time. We pray um, because we believe that something supernatural happens when we pray. And then, of course, on Sunday morning, we have 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Kristen Valley worships. Um, she will not be live this Sunday. Every other Sunday, unless this is a special announcement or if it's a huddle Sunday, Kristen, Kristen won't be there on those Sundays. But every other Sunday, Kristen's there, her and her uh, husband, Elder Nigel Valley at 9 a.m. And then at 930, we have our uh, Sunday morning celebration with our pastors, our wonderful integrity pastors that we we love to honor. Pastors Edwin and Sean Strickland at 930 a.m. They bring us a very practical, uh, life-changing word. And then Monday, uh, the month of September, we are continuing with healing school. But typically on Mondays, we have strategies for success at 12 Central Standard Time on Pastor Sean's uh, personal and professional page. Again, this month we are doing healing school, learning about the power of God to heal that has healed. And is uh, the power is still there and available for you to receive that healing. And then on Tuesday, we have prayer with our prayer team. And that is, oh, I'm sorry, Monday through Friday for healing school. I I'm sorry, I didn't say that Monday through Friday healing school is 12 a.m. Uh, 12 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time Monday through Friday and then Tuesday night we have prayer um, at 8 p.m. by one of our prayer leaders if you have a prayer request please reach out to us on our page we pray uh, we pray God's blessing on you we pray that you are blessed by this word we pray that you are empowered by this word we love you God bless you bye-bye Oh, sorry. I'm sitting here just smiling. We got we have an opportunity to give, right? If you um if you want to give, we have multiple ways to give. Thank y'all in the studio for putting that up there. There is Givelify, PushPay, Tithely, um, text to give. There is uh, PayPal for our international partners, and so we want to make sure that we are giving. Um, why? Because we believe that when we give, we are able to expand. Um, our reach. We are able to do things in the community. We are able to do the things that God called us to do. The truth of the matter is that even if you don't give, God is going to provide um, because we honor God. So God is going to honor everything that he told us to do. But we encourage you to partner with us to be a part of that. So please, if you want to be a partner and, and to um, to be a partner with us with giving, go ahead and give. Also, if you want to become a partner of this ministry, you can go to fellowshipofchampions.com, scroll to the bottom and complete the partnership registration form. Form Just because we see you every Sunday, Wednesday, uh, whatever. And if you don't fill out that form, we don't assume that you are a partner. We, we assume you are a partner when you say, I'm committed by filling this form out and I'm going to do this. You can get these words on iTunes, Google and Spotify and our YouTube channel. Follow us if you're not following us on YouTube. Go ahead and, and subscribe so you can listen to the podcast to get these words in your heart. 
Um, again, we love you. If there's anything else, did I forget anything, guys in studio? Did I forget anything else? Uh, okay, cool. All right. Well, we love you guys and we will talk to you uh, later. Bye-bye.